Part three, chapter ten of A Key to Uncle Tom's Cabin by Harriet Beecher Stowe. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This recording by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Chapter ten, part two of two Poor White Trash. In the columns of the National Era, October 2, 1851, also is the following article by its editor. Stand your ground. A citizen of Guilford County, North Carolina, in a letter to the true Wesleyan, dated August 20th, 1851, writes, quote, You may discontinue my paper for the present, as I am inclined to go westward, where I can enjoy religious liberty and have my family in a free country mobocracy has the ascendancy here and there is no law brother wilson had an appointment on liberty hill on sabbath twenty fourth instant the mob came armed according to mob law and commenced operations on the meeting-house they knocked all the weather-boarding off destroying doors windows pulpit and benches and i have no idea that if the mob was to kill a wesleyan or one of their friends that they would be hung there is more moving this fall to the far west than was ever known in one year people do not like to be made slaves and they are determined to go where it is no crime to plead the cause of the poor and oppressed they have become alarmed at seeing the laws of god trampled under foot with impunity and that too by legislators sworn officers of the peace and professors of religion and even ministers so called are justifying mobocracy they think that such a course of conduct will lead to a dissolution of the union and then every man will have to fight in defense of slavery or be killed this is an awful state of things and if the people were destitute of the bible and the various means of information which they possess there might be some hope of reform but there is but little hope under existing circumstances we hope the writer will reconsider his purpose in his section of north carolina there are very many anti-slavery men and the majority of the people have no interest in what is called slave property let them stand their ground and maintain the right of free discussion how is the despotism of slavery to be put down if those opposed to it abandon their rights and flee their country let them do as the indomitable clay does in kentucky and they will make themselves respected the following is quoted without comment in the national era in 1851 from the columns of the augusta republic georgia freedom of speech in georgia warrenton georgia thursday july tenth eighteen fifty one quote this day the citizens of the town and county met in the courthouse at eight o'clock a m on motion thomas f parsons esq was called to the chair and mr william h pilcher requested to act as secretary the object of the meeting was stated by the chairman as follows whereas our community has been thrown into confusion by the presence among us of one nathan bird watson who hails from new haven connecticut and who has been promulgating abolition sentiments publicly and privately among our people sentiments at war with our institutions and intolerable in a slave community and also been detected in visiting suspicious negro houses as we suppose for the purpose of inciting our slaves and free negro population to insurrection and insubordination 
the meeting having been organized william gibson esq offered the following resolution which after various expressions of opinion was unanimously adopted to wit resolved that a committee of ten be appointed by the chairman for the purpose of making arrangements to expel nathan bird watson an avowed abolitionist who has been in our village for three or four weeks by twelve o'clock this day by the georgian railroad cars and that it shall be the duty of said committee to escort the said watson to kamak for the purpose of shipment to his native land the following gentlemen were named as that committee william gibson e cody j m roberts j b huff e h pottle e a brinkley john c jennings george w dixon a b rogers and dr r w hubert on motion the chairman was added to that committee it was on motion resolved that the proceedings of this meeting with a minute description of the said watson be forwarded to the publishers of the augusta papers with the request that they and all other publishers of papers in the slaveholding states publish the same for a sufficient length of time description the said nathan bird watson is a man of dark complexion hazel eyes black hair and wears a heavy beard measures five feet eleven and three-quarters inches has a quick step and walks with his toes inclined inward and a little stoop-shouldered now wears a checked coat and white pants says he is twenty-three years of age but will pass for twenty-five or thirty on motion the meeting was adjourned thomas f parsons chairman william h pilcher secretary End quote this may be regarded as a specimen of that kind of editorial halloo which is designed to rouse and start in pursuit of a man the bloodhounds of the mob the following is copied by the national era from the richmond times lynch law quote, on the thirteenth instant the vigilance committee of the county of grayson in this state arrested a man named john cornute a friend and follower of bacon the ohio abolitionist and after examining the evidence against him required him to renounce his abolition sentiments this cornute refused to do thereupon he was stripped tied to a tree and whipped after receiving a dozen stripes he caved in and promised not only to recant but to sell his property in the county consisting of land and negroes and leave the state great excitement prevailed throughout the country and the withfield republican of the twentieth instant states that the vigilance committee of grayson were in hot pursuit of other obnoxious persons on this outrage the withfield republican makes the following comments quote, laying aside the white man humanity to the negro the slave demands that these abolitionists be dealt with summarily and above the law on saturday the thirteenth we learned that the committee of vigilance of that county to the number of near two hundred had before them one john cornute a citizen a friend and backer of bacon and promulgator of his abolition doctrines they required him to renounce abolitionism and promise obedience to the laws he refused they stripped him tied him to a tree and appealed to him again to renounce and promise obedience to the laws he refused the rod was brought one two three and on to twelve on the bare back and he cried out he promised and more he said he would sell and leave 
this mr cornute owns land negroes and money say fifteen to twenty thousand dollars he has a wife but no white children he has among his negroes some born on his farm of mixed blood he is believed to be a friend of the negro even to amalgamation he intends to set his negroes free and make them his heirs it is hoped he will retire to ohio and there finish his operations of amalgamation and emancipation the vigilance committees were after another of bacon's men on thursday we have not heard whether they caught him nor what followed there are not more than six of his followers that adhere the rest have renounced him and are much outraged at his imposition mr cornute appealed for redress to the law the result of his appeal is thus stated in the richmond virginia times quoted by the national era more trouble in grayson the clerk of grayson county court having on the first instant the first day of judge brown's term tendered his resignation and there being no applicant for the office and it being publicly stated at the bar that no one would accept said appointment judge brown found himself unable to proceed with business and accordingly adjourned the court until the first day of the next term immediately upon the adjournment of the court a public meeting of the citizens of the county was held when resolutions were adopted expressive of the determination of the people to maintain the stand recently taken exhorting the committees of vigilance to increased activities in ferreting out all persons tinctured with abolitionism in the county and offering a reward of one hundred dollars for the apprehension and delivery of one jonathan roberts to any one of the committees of vigilance we have a letter from a creditable correspondent in carroll county which gives to the affair a still more serious aspect trusting that there may be some error about it we have no comments to make until the facts are known with certainty our correspondent whose letter bears the date of the thirteenth instant says quote, i learn from an authentic source that the circuit court that was to sit in grayson county during last week was dissolved by violence the circumstances were these after the execution of the negroes in that county some time ago who had been excited to rebellion by a certain methodist preacher by the name of bacon of which you have heard the citizens held a meeting and instituted a sort of inquisition to find out if possible who were the accomplices of said bacon suspicion soon rested on a man by the name of cornute and on being charged with being an accomplice he acknowledged the fact and declared his intention of persevering in the cause upon which he was severely lynched cornute then instituted suit against the parties who afterwards held a meeting and passed resolutions notifying the court and lawyers not to undertake the case upon pain of a coat of tar and feathers the court however convened at the appointed time and true to their promise a band of armed men marched around the courthouse fired their guns by platoons and dispersed the court in confusion there was no bloodshed this county and the county of with have held meetings and passed resolutions sustaining the movement of the citizens of grayson End quote. is it any wonder that people emigrate from states where such things go on the following accounts will show what ministers of the gospel will have to encounter who undertake faithfully to express their sentiments in slave states 
the first is an article by dr bailey of the era of april third eighteen fifty two lynching in kentucky the american baptist of utica new york publishes letters from the rev edward matthews giving an account of his barbarous treatment in kentucky mr matthews it seems is an agent of the american free mission society and in the exercise of his agency visited that state and took occasion to advocate from the pulpit anti-slavery sentiments not long since in the village of richmond madison county he applied to several churches for permission to lecture on the moral and religious condition of the slaves but was unsuccessful february first in the evening he preached to the colored congregation of that place after which he was assailed by the mob and driven from the town returning in a short time he left a communication respecting the transaction at the office of the richmond chronicle and again departed but he had not gone far before he was overtaken by four men who seized him and led him to an out-of-the-way place where they consulted as to what they should do with him they resolved to duck him ascertaining first that he could swim two of them took him and threw him into a pond as far as they could and on his rising to the surface bade him come out he did so and on his refusing to promise never to come to richmond they flung him in again this operation was repeated four times when he yielded they next demanded of him a promise that he would leave kentucky and never return again he refused to give it and they threw him in the water six times more when his strength failing and they threatening to whip him he gave the pledge required and left the state we do not know anything about mr matthews or his mode of promulgating his views the laws of kentucky for the protection of what is called slave property are stringent enough and nobody can doubt the readiness of public sentiment to enforce their heaviest penalties against offenders if mr matthews violated the law he should have been tried by the law and he would have been had he committed an illegal act no charge of the kind is made against him he was then the victim of lynch law administered in a ruffianly manner and without provocation and the parties concerned in the transaction whatever their position in society were guilty of conduct as cowardly as it was brutal as to the manner in which mr matthews conducted himself in kentucky we know nothing we transfer to our columns the following extract from an editorial in the journal and messenger of cincinnati a baptist paper and which it may be presumed speaks intelligently on the subject Quote, mr matthews is likewise a baptist minister whose ostensible mission is one of love if he has violated that mission or any law he is amenable to god and law and not to lawless violence his going to kentucky is a matter of conscience to him in which he has a right to indulge many good anti-slavery men would question the wisdom of such a step none would doubt his right many as a matter of taste and propriety cannot admire the way in which he is reputed to do his work but they believe he is conscientious and they know that oppression maketh even a wise man mad we do not think in obedience to christ's commands he sufficiently counted the cost for no one in his position should go to kentucky to agitate the question of slavery unless he expects to die 
no man in this position which mr matthews occupies can do it without falling a martyr liberty of speech and thought is not cannot be enjoyed in the slave states slavery could not exist for a moment if it did it is doubtless the duty of the christian not to surrender his life cheaply for the sake of being a martyr this would be an unholy motive it is his duty to preserve it until the last moment so christ enjoins it is no mark of cowardice to flee when they persecute you in one city flee into another said the saviour but he did not say give a pledge that you will not exercise your rights hence he nor his disciples never did it but it is a question after one has deliberated and conscientiously entered a community in the exercise of his constitutional and religious rights whether he should give a pledge under the influence of a love of life never to return if he does he has not counted the cost a christian should be as conscientious in pledging solemnly not to do what he has undoubted right to do as he is in laboring for the emancipation of the slave now the following is from the national era july tenth eighteen fifty one mr mcbride wishes to form a church of non-slaveholders case of rev jesse mcbride this missionary it will be remembered was expelled lately from the state of north carolina we give below his letter detailing the conduct of the mob his letter is dated guilford may sixth after writing that he is suffering from temporary illness he proceeds quote, i would have kept within doors this day but for the fact that i mistrusted a mob would be out to disturb my congregation though such a hint had not been given me by a human being about six o'clock this morning i crawled into my carriage and drove eighteen miles which brought me to my meeting-place eight miles east of greensboro the place i gave an account of a few weeks since where some seven or eight persons gave their names to go into the organization of a wellesleyan methodist church well sure enough just before meeting time at twelve o'clock i was informed that a pack of rioters were on hand and that they had sworn i should not fulfil my appointment this day as they had heard nothing of this before the news came upon some of my friends like a clap of thunder from a clear sky they scarcely knew what to do i told them i should go to meeting or die in the attempt and like good soldiers they followed just before i got to the arbor i saw a man leave the crowd and approached me at the left of my path as i was about to pass he said mr mcbride here's a letter for you i took the letter put it into my pocket and said i have not time to read it until after the meeting no you must read it now seeing that i did not stop he said i want to speak to you beckoning with his hand and turning expecting me to follow i will talk to you after the meeting i said pulling out my watch you see i have no time to spare it is just twelve as i went to go in at the door of the stand a man who had taken his seat on the step rose up placed his hand on me and said in a very excited tone mr mcbride you can't go in there without offering any resistance or saying a word i knelt down outside the stand on the ground and prayed to my father pled his promises such as when the enemy comes in like a flood i will rear up a standard against him i am a present help in trouble i will fight all your battles for you 
pray for grace victory my enemies etc rose perfectly calm meantime my enemies cursed and swore some but most of the time they were rather quiet mr hyatt a slaveholder and merchant from greensboro said you can't preach here to-day we have come to prevent you we think you are doing harm violating our laws etc from what authority do you thus command and prevent me from preaching are you authorized by the civil authority to prevent me no sir has god sent you and does he enjoin it on you as a duty to stop me i am unacquainted with him well acquaint now thyself with him and be at peace and he will give you a more honorable business than stopping men from preaching his gospel the judgment day is coming on and i summon you there to give an account of this day's conduct and now gentlemen if i have violated the laws of north carolina by them i am willing to be judged condemned and punished to go to the whipping post pillory or jail or even to hug the stake but gentlemen you are not generally a pack of ignoramuses your good sense teaches you the impropriety of your course you know that you're doing wrong you know that it is not right to trample all law both human and divine in the dust out of professed love for it you must see that your course will lead to perfect anarchy and confusion the time may come when jacob hyatt may be in the minority when his principles may be as unpopular as jesse mcbride's are now what then why if your course prevails he must be lynched whipped stoned tarred and feathered dragged from his own house or his house burned over his head and he perished in the ruins the persons became food for the beasts they threw daniel to the same fire that was kindled for the hebrew children consumed those who kindled it haman stretched the same rope he prepared for mordecai yours is a dangerous course and you must reap a retribution either here or hereafter we will sing a hymn said i oh yes said h you may sing the congregation will please assist me as i am quite unwell and i lined off the hymn father i stretch my hands to thee and the riders and all helped to sing all seemed in good humor and i almost forgot their errand when we closed i said let us pray god blanket that's not singing said one of the company who stood back pretty well while we invoked the divine blessing i think many could say it is good for us to be here before i rose from my knees after the friends rose i delivered an exhortation of some ten or fifteen minutes in which i urged the brethren to steadfastness prayer etc some of the mob crying lay hold of him drag him out stop him etc my voice being nearly drowned by the tumult i left off i was then called to have some conversation with h who repeated some of the charges he preferred at first said i was bringing on insurrection causing disturbance etc wishing me to leave the state said that he had some slaves and he himself was the most of a slave of any of them had harder times than they had and he would like to be shut of them and that he was my true friend as to your friendship mr h you have acted quite friendly remarkably so fully as much so as judas when he kissed the saviour as to your having to be so much of a slave i am sorry for you you ought to be freed as to insurrection i am decidedly opposed to it 
having no sympathy with it whatever as to raising disturbance and leaving the state i left a little motherless daughter in ohio over whom i wished to have an oversight and care when i left i only expected to remain in north carolina one year but the people dragged me up before this court under the charge of felony put me in bonds and kept me and now would you have me leave my securities to suffer have me lie and deceive the court oh if you will leave your bail will not have to suffer that can i think be settled without much trouble said mr h they shall not have trouble on my account said i after talking with mr h and one or two more on personal piety etc i went to the arbor took my seat in the door of the stand for a minute then rose and after referring to a few texts of scripture to show that all those who will live godly shall suffer persecution i inquired first what is persecution secondly noticed the fact shall suffer gave a synoptical history of persecution by showing that abel was the first martyr for the right the israelites sufferings the prophets were stoned were sawn asunder were tempted were slain with the sword had to wander in deserts mountains dens and caves of the earth were driven from their houses given to ferocious beasts lashed to the stake and destroyed in different ways spoke of john the baptist showed how he was persecuted and what the charge christ was persecuted for doing what john was persecuted for not doing spoke of the sufferings of the apostles and their final death of luther and his coadjutors of the wesleys and early methodists of fox and the early quakers of the early settlers in the colonies of the united states noticed why the righteous were persecuted the advantages thereof to the righteous themselves and how they should treat their persecutors with kindness etc spoke i suppose some half an hour and dismissed towards the close some of the rioters got quite angry and yelled stop him pull him out the righteous were never persecuted for damned abolitionism etc some of them paid good attention to what i said and thus we spent the time from twelve to three o'clock and thus the meeting passed by brother dear i am more and more confirmed in the righteousness of our cause i would rather much rather die for good principles than to have applause and honor for propagating false theories and abominations you perhaps would like to know how i feel happy most of the time a religion that will not stand persecution will not take us to heaven blessed be god that i have not thus far been suffered to deny him sometimes i have thought that i was nearly home i generally feel a calmness of soul but sometimes my enjoyments are rapturous i have had a great burden of prayer for the dear flock help me pray for them thank god i have not heard of one of them giving up or turning and i believe some if not most of them would go to the stake rather than give back i forgot to say i read a part of the fifth chapter of the acts of apostles to the rioters commencing at the seventeenth verse i told them if their institutions were of god i could not harm them and that if our cause was of god they could not stop it that they could kill me but they could not kill the truth though i talked plainly i talked and felt kindly to them i have had to write in such haste and being fatigued and unwell my letter is disconnected i meant to give you a copy of the letter of the mob here it is mr mcbride 
we the subscribers very and most respectfully request that you not attempt to fulfill your appointment at this place if you do you will surely be interrupted signed by thirty-two persons may sixth eighteen fifty one some were professors of religion presbyterians episcopal methodists and methodist protestants one of the latter was an exhorter i understand some of the crowd were negro traders farewell j mcbride this ends chapter ten part two poor white trash <laughs>